0: We've all been hurt. We all carry scars. We can all overcome these things and be healed through a relationship with Jesus Christ. Let's build that relationship together right here. Welcome to Healing Scars with Pastor Burton. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the sanctuary. It is so great to have you here. You know, this week we're going to be talking about something toxic that's been allowed to permeate our society and our culture. You know, many people try to attribute this as just being the men. However, let's be honest, it's become something that ladies are just as guilty of. All of us are guilty of it. For a number of years now, on both sides, you know, we used to call it machismo. You know, today we call it, you know, that that to- it's toxic masculinity. However... They're just as to- people are just as toxic in how they attack it themselves. You know the feminist of yesteryear have taken on the very traits that they used to be against, and we're seeing it in everything. You know, girl power has turned from a demand to be seen as equals to anything you can do, I can do worse. Uh, you know, music, film, TV, uh, literature, clothing, and so much more. You know, I, I want to remind you. Sin is sin, and it's like fu- you know, it's like fire. It consumes and destroys everything that it touches. Now, th- this came because of something I- I've seen recently. It's been making the rounds, and just the-, the Lord put it on my heart. So that's what today's message is coming from. Uh, you know, recently I-, I saw a meme, and it-, it was being shared by a few people I know. Uh, you know, I read it, and-, and this is what it says: "It says when I get disrespected." I get disrespectful. and every time I saw it posted by someone else, it had a bunch of likes and hearts and you know some shares and comments that just cheering it on and really just kind of nasty comments at that. Uh, and I, I had to ask, isn't that what's become wrong in the world today? You know people feel entitled to be disrespectful, arrogant, haughty, all because someone did or said something that they don't like. They'll talk about how people need to give respect to get respect, but they don't want to do it themselves. Nobody wants to be the bigger person. Instead, they want to try to be the tough guy and run their mouth you know or especially these days the, the internet tough guys, the, the social media tough guys, you know uh, you know and everybody else wants to, to join in instead of telling them that they sound like idiots. And they do. You know, this isn't just wrong. It's unchristian. It's unbiblical. It totally goes against what Jesus taught. Uh, if you turn with me to the book of Matthew, chapter 22, and we're going to be going towards the end here. So, Matthew 22, verses 36 through 40, the Bible says, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself, and the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So, let me ask, are are you really showing love and compassion to someone? by trying to one-up them as being the biggest jerk in the room? No. And how effective are you as an ambassador for Jesus when you're acting out of anger and spite? Anger and spite are forms of hate. We cannot show love when we're putting hate into the world. In a you know, while we're still here in Matthew, if you go back to chapter five, verse thirteen, so Matthew five, verse thirteen, the Bible says, "You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot." As Christians, as followers of Christ, we're supposed to be. The salt of the earth. What does salt do? It enhances things. It preserves things. It improves things. Instead, people choose to be salty towards one another. Our salt is wasted and it loses its flavor. In other words, salt loses its value or it becomes worthless. And so do we when we conform to the world. When we as Christians aren't always engaged in improving the world around us and pointing the way to Jesus, we lose our flavor, our salt. We lose value as a guide to Jesus. You know, here's the thing. One moment you're saying, praise Jesus. The next minute you're trying to break someone down. You can't say, I hope they burn in hell. Praise Jesus. It doesn't work that way. You lose credibility as a follower of Jesus. You lose credibility as a Christian. Not only that, but since you are a representation you know, or an ambassador of what people are seeing of Christians, you make the entire church look poorly when you do this. And it happens because we become more worldly and less godly. Now, I'm not saying you can't be angry. You can be angry and still show compassion, still show mercy, still show love. You know, a lot of us, you know, that's really where the term, you know, bite your tongue comes from. You know, and a lot of us do it a lot more than we want to admit, and others don't do it nearly enough, you know. Um, like I said, you can be angry and still show love. We like to think that we can always control the situation, that we can always control the people that are in front of us. But the fact is, that's just not the case. No matter where you go, there are always going to be difficult people. People who will talk down to you, belittle you, ignore you, or put you down in some way. We're never going to be able to please everyone. I can't, you can't, no one can. And not everyone is going to like us. That's all right. We don't control those things. What we can control is ourselves, our actions, our thoughts, our words. You know, if you uh, flip with me now to Ephesians chapter 4. So Ephesians chapter 4, we're looking at verses 31 through 32. So Ephesians 4, verses 31 through 32, the Bible says, Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. See, Paul is warning us of controlling what, what we say and what we do. It's what I just said, you know, about holding your tongue. You know, instead of meeting hate with hate, we need to look to the Lord and forgive. We need to remember we're not perfect by any means either. We've all done absolutely heinous things in the sight of the Lord. Yet God still forgave us. And we need to do the same for for those who are doing heinous things in front of us or to us. Think of it this way. Jesus was able to forgive the same people who crucified him. So why can't we forgive those who upset us? We need to. Uh, if we turn back to Matthew chapter 5, so Matthew chapter 5, verses 21 through 24, the Bible says, You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, You shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, Raka being an Aramaic term of contempt. So anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, is answerable to the court. And anyone who says, You fool! will be in danger of the fire of hell. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. See, in anger here, it's referring to bitterness towards someone. Bitterness. It's a type of anger. <clears throat> See, anger, it's a sin, just like murder. When the Pharisees read this, uh, read this law from uh, Exodus 20, verse 13, they applied it literally, literally. If someone hadn't physically killed someone, then they were fine. However, J- Jesus taught that by allowing our anger to build and to fester, that we commit murder in our own hearts. So because we're angry, we're committing murder in our own hearts. Where's the love then? Where is it? See, anger, it's a terrible sin because it disregards the command to love one another. Not only that, but by allowing it to fester, we can lose control of ourselves and go even deeper into sin. Sin that can and should be avoided. In 1 John chapter 4, so turn with me now to 1 John chapter 4, verses 20 through 21. So 1 John chapter 4, 20 through 21, the Bible says, Whoever claims to love God, yet hates a brother or sister, is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister, whom they have seen, cannot love God, whom they have not seen, And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. The way we act, the way we talk and treat one another, it's a reflection of our relationship with God. And God is love. It's not always easy. As a matter of fact, sometimes it's just downright tough. Being a Christian is tough and it's supposed to be the world goes the easy route the world is looking for convenience luxury but they miss Jesus in the process we miss Jesus when we're blinded by our own rage instead of looking to Jesus in Matthew chapter 7 verses 13 and 14 so Matthew 7:13 and 14 the bible says enter through the narrow gate for the wide gate excuse me for the uh, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction and many enter through it but small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life and only a few find it don't give in to the hate don't give in to the discontent of the world or you'll miss the gate Jesus didn't tell us what to do just for us to ignore it it wasn't a do as i say type of thing jesus told us hey this is what you need to do and then he set the example of what we need to do he set the example by doing it living the way he's taught us is not the way of the world. It's not the popular way to live, but it is the right way to live and the right way to do things. There is no exception to be made on this. This is literally the Lord's way or the highway. The highway to hell, all right? Jesus didn't say, do this unless. Do this except for, or but if they do this instead. No, he just said, do this, and then after he said do this, he taught us how. It's very much the same concept many of us have found in training for our own jobs. This might sound familiar to some of you. Watch one, do one, teach one. We can see Jesus doing it in the Bible. We apply it to ourselves, and then We teach others as a part of our testimony when we share the gospel. So it's not that we're not equipped. It's that we need to actually use what we've been given to do what is right. We live in a society today that listens to react instead of listening to hear. So when something happens, we'll often hear someone rush to use scripture in the wrong context, they try to weaponize it. When when people you know people they're quick to pull the trigger on their quest for vengeance by saying things like you know an eye for an eye you know we've all heard that one before we've all heard it you know eye for an eye they they use you know they try to take the scripture they've heard this piece they try to weaponize it uh, and and they're totally wrong in how they do it you know they they people are 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 very very wrong when they say it for one. Most people, when they say it, they don't even know where it comes from. They don't, so you know, if you don't know where it comes from, how do you understand the context? What is it talking about? You know, Ask people, and they'll say, oh, the Bible. Where did it come from? The Bible. And that's as good as it gets. That's as far as they can break it down. They don't know if it's Old Testament. They don't know if it's New Testament. They don't know anything else. They just know that they've heard it before and that's how they've heard it. So that's how they use it. It's twisted. It's contort, you know, contorted and changed because that's what the, the devil wants. So and you know, that's why they don't understand the context of what it's really talking about. So let's pull it up. Flip all the way back towards the beginning of your Bible to the book of Exodus. We'll read it together. So Exodus chapter 21. And what you're looking for is verses 23 through 25 the Bible says but if there is serious injury you are to take life for life eye for eye tooth for tooth hand for hand foot for foot burn for burn wound for wound bruise for bruise so in itself without context it seems sound what's good for the goose is good for the gander right however when you look at the entire entirety of this piece of scripture, going from verse 12 all the way through verse 35, you'll find that it's actually very legalistic. And and for a good reason. It's legalistic because it's meant to be a judicial punishment, or a type of case law, if you will, for the judges of the law of the land at that time um, to make the ruling from and decide appropriate actions and repercussions for wrongdoing not for individuals to justify being the bigger jerk not to try to one up people all right not not for a quest of vengeance it was actually supposed to be a tool to ensure that punishments fit the crime and to help bring order and peace to communities instead of justifying lynch mobs let's let's face it there's a lot of internet lynch mobs today cancel culture's gotten out of control you know people people try to twist this And like I said, it's because they don't truly know what it's about. It's just a catchphrase or a slogan to justify being petty. Well, he started it. I'm only doing to them what they did to me. If she hadn't done that, I wouldn't have done this. Petty. Petty. Sin being met with sin. Hate being met with hate. Two wrongs don't make a right. Period. They don't, and th- this is why in Matthew, Jesus actually revisits this. Saying, uh, you know, and, and when Jesus revisits, he, he's he's doing it to bring clarity to what we should do. So, if we go all the way back to Matthew chapter five again, all right. So, Matthew chapter five, and we're looking at verses thirty-eight through forty-two. Jesus says, "You have heard that it was said." Eye for eye and tooth for tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks you, and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. Getting even is the wrong reaction. We we just looked at this study uh, in our in our study of Nahum, you know. Instead, Jesus wants to you know what he's telling us is that we need to love those who treat us poorly, to love them, not get back at them, but to love and to forgive, instead of staying focused on. What happened to us, and continue continuing on to to build this victim mentality that's so popular today? We should be looking to God to give us the strength to love and to forgive others as He did us when we sinned. Instead, instead of thinking about how to make things, you know, even Stevens, if you would you know, trying to to even that ball field or anything, you know, instead of trying to find ways to get back, what we should do is pray for those who have wronged us. Pray. That's the right way. That's the Christian way. That's Jesus's way. You know, people used to ask, what would Jesus do? That's it right here, right here. Turn with me to Luke chapter six, and we're going to look at verses 27 through 36. Jesus, you know, he, when, when we're looking at that section, Jesus goes all in on talking about loving your enemies. And he's specifically calling out how to respond to those who do you wrong. And when we look at Luke 6, specifically verse 35 in this section, the Bible says, But love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great. And you will be children of the Most High, because he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. You see, to love someone who's offended us, it doesn't come naturally. You know, that's not part of the human state. Now, you don't have to fall in love with people like this. It's a different type of love, all right? It's not like, you know, when you look to your significant other or your children and, you know, you do anything for them. (laughs) You know, and it just comes naturally no matter what happens. Well, you know, we have to kind of apply it the same way because you think about it. Somebody does, you know, someone that you love, like say your child goes and does something that they shouldn't. Are you going to get upset? Yes. But are you going to love them any less? No. Absolutely not. See, it's a mindset and it's an action on your part. To love an enemy, to love an enemy is to put violence to the side, to put your aggression and your anger to the side and instead act in their best interest. So to love your enemy is to act in their best interest. Not to get back at them but to show empathy grace mercy. See we may not know why they're acting the way they are or do the things that they do or maybe we do. And it's not how we act, you know, it's not how we believe, you know, they should act. It's not how we think we would act if we were in their shoes. So we should pray. Pray for a change in their life. A change to soften their heart. Pray for healing. Healing? Yes, but healing. Because hurt people hurt people. Let me say that again. Hurt people hurt people. They may not even realize that they're doing it. Or they've been indoctrinated into a way that blinds them to the very wrongs that they're doing. They could be lashing out because they feel safe to do so because of something going on in their lives. Have you ever thought about that? Someone might be lashing out at you because they feel safe with you and that they can do it with you. You know, maybe it could be that they're just having a bad day. And you are the person that the Lord has put in front of them so they can unload their burden, unload their aggression. Well, why? Why would he do that? Well, easily because you can take it. You can take it and then show them his love in return. We all need to recognize that we have a habit of pushing out people who need the most help, who need the most love. We'll cast them to the side because of their sins. We like to think that we're above them, like as if we're above reproach. However, when we look at Luke 23, verse 34, we see that Jesus does the opposite of what we do. In Jesus 23, verse 34, Jesus said, Father, forgive them. For they do not know what they are doing. And they divided his clothes up by casting lots. Jesus was on the cross. Like he was already on the cross. He was dying. He had been mocked, ridiculed, embarrassed. He was in pain and dying a slow, horrible death. And what does he do? Does he lash out and say, oh, you'll pay for this? Does he threaten anybody? Does he try to act tough? Oh, just you wait. You're going to be swimming with the fishes by the end of the day. No. He didn't do any of the stupid stuff. Instead, he prays. He prays for everyone. The Jewish leaders, the Romans, the bystanders, every single person there, and every person involved in leading him there, including you and me, for the sins we've committed in our lives. Because it's he took he took on our sin. He paid the price for our sin. So when he could have lashed out, destroyed everyone and everything, he chose to show us mercy and love instead. The way that we should do things. Love and mercy. In John 21, I'd like to point something out. It's very minimalized. It shouldn't be. In John 21. Um, the Bible um, give you a second here find bear with me I'm flipping through here thought I had it written down here but I don't so here it is Yes. Alright, so John chapter 21, verses 18 through 22. The Bible says, Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger and dressed yourself and went where you wanted, but when you were old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you to where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate that the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And then he said to them, "Said to him, follow me. Peter turned and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. This was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and had said, Lord, who is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? And Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. See, this is important because it shows the heart of Jesus. It shows the heart. See, the focus shouldn't be on anyone other than Jesus. Even in the face of an uncertain and possibly terrifying future, we need to be focused on him. And let's face it, sometimes we see things, we know something's coming, we know a storm is coming, and it's brutal. And and we get focused on it instead of looking to Jesus. See, and instead of what we should do is instead of trying to compare ourselves or bolster ourselves because we've been embarrassed or hurt, we need to ensure that what we're doing is what's right by Jesus. And I bring this up because we like to think that to be a Christian simply means to love Jesus. And I, you know, it's, yes, it's true. We need need to love Jesus, absolutely, 100%. You know, that is at the core of being a Christian. However, it also means we need to love Judas. We need to love the Judases in our lives. We need to love our enemies and, like Jesus, pray for them and show them love. Now, again, we have this habit. We push people away who need help the most, who need love the most, like we're better than them. But we fail to see our own sin. We fail to see our own sin. In Luke 18, verses 9 through 14. So turn with me to Luke 18, uh, verses 9 through 14. And 9 through 14, the Bible says To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two, two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee, the other a tax, uh, tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a short distance. He would not even look up to heaven. But beat his breast, and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. See, we become the Pharisee in our own lives so easily when we're hurt, when we're upset. We become very self-righteous. We're hypocrites. We become hypocrites. And we want others to see that we're so good and others are so bad, that we're so much better than these other people. It's because of our own pride, our egos. Our pride gets the better of us. We forget that God loves those that we don't. But we should. We should absolutely love them. See, this is why Jesus warned us to look inside. If well, you go to Matthew chapter seven, verses one through five, Jesus says, "Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you." Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, "Let me take the speck out of your eye," when all the time there is a plank in your own eye, you hypocrite? First, take the plank out of your own eye, then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. See, it's it's, it's so, you know, it's easy to justify tearing someone else down, and what's worse is that there's almost someone else there to cheer you on. That's the chaos that the devil wants. That's the way of the world. And we get, you know, a temporary rush when it happens. You know, like I said, it says right here, you know, we're blinded by our own, by our own sin, by our own, you know, mistakes, our own rage, our own hate, our own anger. You know, like I said, it, it, we get a temporary rush when, when it happens and it can make us feel good for a moment. Like, Haha, yeah, mm, show them but for just a moment, and then afterwards we kind of think on it. Maybe it doesn't catch up to you right away, but eventually it's like, man, did I handle that the right way? Should I have done something different? Well, yeah, absolutely. Or sometimes you realize it, you're like, man, I didn't do that the best way, but then we don't go back to correct ourselves even. It's because it's not what was right to do. Instead, What we should be doing is looking for ways to build each other up, to empower each other, to do better, and to look to Jesus. Seeing a total change in a person, because the Holy Spirit in them, seeing them turn to Jesus and turn their lives around, is so much more rewarding. And that brings all of us closer to Jesus. Now, that's not the easy path. It's certainly not the popular path. It is, however, the right path. So when you're disrespected, don't get disrespectful. Don't have a mindset that that says, your attitude is a result, or excuse me, that my attitude is a result of your actions. Instead, get humble. Get humble. Exercise some self-discipline. And you know, the Marine Corps is what we call, you know, reaching down and grabbing some, uh, some intestinal fortitude. But get humble. Exercise self-discipline. Be respectful. Pray. Pray. Pray for them. Pray for yourself. Pray for all parties involved. And let the love of Jesus shine through you. Let our strength in the Almighty become the hope in another person's darkness. In their time of need in their time of hurt. That's love. That's what love is. That's power. That's how we take the fight to the devil. That's how that is that's God in us. That is the Holy Spirit in us. That's the hope of Jesus for you, for me, and for everyone. For everyone. That's how we should behave. That's how we should respond. That's what Jesus has told us to do, and that's what leads others to him. That is how you truly are the better person. Not because of you, not because of your actions, but because you're listening and following Jesus and doing as he said. I wanna thank you for joining us today. If you have any questions, Prayer request, or would like to know more about our ministry, you can find us on our website at be the light sanctuary.org or on Facebook at be the light sanctuary. We'll catch you next time. God bless.